السلام عليكم وعليكم السلام ورحمة الله كيف الحال؟ الحمد لله وأنت؟ الحمد لله على كل حال How many classes are you teaching now? In terms of oh, we are blessed by royalty today. Hmm. Are you talking about uh, Suleiman Ahmed, who is going to be going to Columbia University, inshallah, this this fall? <laughs> the uh, classes uh, three uh, Zoom meetings. It's nonstop since ten a.m. No way. Literally nonstop. No. How do you do it? Well, I mean, uh, it's very much like my pre-COVID life, except now I have the, the comfort of just sitting in a corner. Yeah. So people, people get astonished when I tell them I haven't left the house since March 20th. You haven't left the house? Mm-hmm. Have you gone outside? I've gone outside a couple times. Yesterday I went outside just because I felt I should, but then decided I'm not really missing anything. Assalamu <laughs> <laughs> alaikum. So Omar. Yes. Uh, do you get a, then? Do you the, then get any chance to do your own studies? Yeah, I do. I mean, it's this is also what do you call it? The uh, finals week. Yeah. And, and I was pre-Ramadan. Uh, our class was the last class of the evening. And then I would stay up. Oh, mashallah. I would stay up to like 2 o'clock and just study. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam. Assalamu alaikum, Mohan bhai. So, Mahan and Adnan, you need to take a leaf out of Omar's book to, say, uh, to learn how to give back. Dr. Dr. Mahan and Dr. Kazi. Everyone else is like, yeah. Alaikum okay. So, did you get, <laughs> Mahan Bhai, did you get my dissertation through email? No, I didn't get it through email. Oh my God, I thought I sent it. Okay, I'll send it uh, soon. Well, it sounds like he got it. He I, got it. it I got it on Facebook. Yeah, you got it on Facebook, but okay, I'll send it over email too. Yeah, okay. Okay. In any case. We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala. We seek blessings on the Prophet, peace be upon him, and all that conversation unintentionally was recorded. I'll have to figure out how to trim it. Okay, <clears throat> so continuing our, our exploration of, of Surah Al-Baqarah. So last time, part of our conversation was just over the question of chronology uh, of, of the passages that uh, is secondary unless we're trying to con- uh, uh, construct a history. And we were also looking at the lessons of each of those small subsections, whether it is, uh, you know, we gave Musa the scripture, peace be upon him, and the Furqan, so that you may be- get guided, or uh, that, you know, we, we uh, made this appointment with Musa, salam, then you turn to the calf, but then we forgave you. And, and so those themes we're also going to re, restructure or revisit uh, as we are finishing this, this overall section. But let's continue with, with their narrative. The next event is in Ayah 255 and 256. Wa'iv, again, 
Ultum, when you said, Ya Musa, we are not going to believe in you until we see Allah Jahratan, like right there, okay, right before us. And then they were hit with a thunderbolt while looking on. And Ayah 56 says, uh, then we revived you after your death. Okay. Once again, so that you would be grateful. Once again, that's this theme over and over again. So here's a question. As we know from the story of Musa, alayhi salam, uh, when he is uh, uh, in Surah Al-Qasas, we have the story of him uh, seeing this light in the distance, hoping hoping it'll get uh, he can get some food or some burning embers for them, and then he has the the meeting with uh, uh, he has the meeting with Allah Taala, you know, the so-called burning bush, and at a different point um, he is asking Allah, Ya Allah, can I see you? And then this is the story of Allah Taala saying, "You can't handle it." Obviously, I'm paraphrasing. And then he sends a, a ray of divine light uh, at this mountain, crumbles the mountain, and Musa al-Islam can't uh, take it. He falls apart. Okay. Uh, yes, it was Loki. Today it was Thor. I don't even understand it. Okay. Oh, I see. Thunder. So anyway, so Musa al-Islam is asking Allah, Ya Allah, can I see you? How is that different than what we have in this ayah? Isn't it the same? Or what is different? What do you all think? I would say it's not really very much different. Uh, From uh, Musa has the opportunity to be brought up in Pharaoh's uh, household and thereby be have a certain degree or at least a higher degree of disdain for the dominant culture and i would say the bani israel is again uh, smitten by the dominant culture and the dominant culture is uh, seeing the gods in front of you okay. and uh, one more thing remember bani israel's uh, fervent desire would probably be to be assimilated with the egyptians but bear in mind the egyptian religion is not a religion of proselytization <laughs> or evangelism it is by invitation or a close uh, you know a close club so musa al-islam's dna is different but the social circumstances leading to similar demands are pretty much there okay uh all right uh iqbal you're saying the way it has been asked uh requesting allah versus challenging allah can you explain that point point a little bit further Either, either uh, in text or voice. So Musa is requesting that is it possible? Okay. But here the demand is, okay, we won't, we're not gonna see until until we see it. We're not gonna believe. Okay, okay. And that's similar to what Basir is saying. Uh, we're not gonna believe until we see it. Uh, Sami is saying Musa already believes. He just wants to see Allah. Whereas the children of Israel won't believe until they see him. Yeah. Uh, perhaps, uh, 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 to Shara's point, perhaps as a mockery. And so, uh, aren't they already saying they believe in Allah? Uh, it seems like they're saying, we're not going to believe in you unless we see Allah. What do you think? So, Omar, a uh, question that, you know, what what is the difference between 
other than arrogance what is the difference between their saying and we are we are reading in quran haqqul yaqeen uh, keep going uh, uh, i need more on your question so so you know we we the the extreme form of believing something is haqqul yaqeen right or anul yaqeen i'm sorry right that you know you have to you have to see and uh, you have it so they I understand that they are actually doing more more with the connotation of the arrogance mm-hmm. but what else what other ingredients make that ask so significant and negative that Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned that in the Quran okay so you're saying it's not necessarily negative it might be normal yeah maybe it depends upon you know i think th- those are the levels of you know getting into the yaqeen right mm mm-hmm. mm-hmm. so so i mean if maybe maybe there so why why not there is no benefit of doubt just because of their nature or their crimes or their oh. historical facts or more than that so this is sort of this is a sort of akin to to what i'm asking that on the surface it sounds exactly like a challenge right musa alayhi salam is already believing always already obeying allah and he's saying you know you know may i see you why does musa alayhi salam want to see Allah Ta'ala maybe it is out of love for Allah maybe it is for further satisfaction of the heart uh uh but it is not changing the fact that he's still obeying Allah when he first has this meeting with Allah he runs away right he hears this voice he runs away he's terrified uh he sees the snake uh and then he gets terrified and he runs away um and he's refusing but then he accepts and then he is saying to Allah you know please also assign my brother okay and then but in this when he's then later requesting Allah you know let me see you uh it definitely does not seem to be um you know in avoidance of anything more like as a hope to get closer to Allah or perhaps out of curiosity uh is there anything in this text in terms of what the the children of Israel are saying to Musa alayhi salam uh it's easy to read this as though they're challenging him okay we are never going to believe you unless you show us Allah okay but what if it is an objective statement we are never going to be able to believe in you what do you think is that a plausible read of this passage yeah and that's exactly my question Yeah. I mean how can we believe you right if, if you don't see anything so this is the question that I'm raising to everyone yeah are you saying something else Dr. Allah no I'm, I'm saying that you know I think this is maybe the there's some social attitude also right because you know sometimes the Arabs or some some other other cultures came as a rude but they are not rude I mean they, that's the way they ask ask things right in their society like you know those those uh, those the, the badu came to muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam he asked in a different way and all this you know we have those story in our religion and history so so i think i i just i'm just curious to understand that you know what is what is that significance and that subtle difference that make that that significance that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned mentioning that in the quran well i mean i mean we're making the same point and and so this goes back to my original suggestion when we're looking at the children of Israel our default is often to look at them as being wicked people and i'm suggesting maybe they're not wicked maybe 
uh, uh, I suggest that they behave exactly like normal people with the tragic flaw of lack of gratitude. Yeah. Uh, so any other thoughts, you know, based on what, what Dr. Malahathan and I just mentioned, is it possible well, to read this as not challenging? Yeah, Omar, I mean, if you look at our attitude to our religious classes, we display exactly the same thing. I mean, we are pretty arrogant uh, against our ulama and uh, uh, against the people who we quote, uh, say, our religious quote, uh, unquote. I mean, uh, why is this uh, behavior of Bani Israel any different than the behavior that we display even today? And uh, so, another thing is... More, uh, more reflective of a sense of inferiority complex that they are displaying. Musa salam is from amongst them. Mm -hmm. And they can't uh, wrap their minds around that somebody from amongst them could be, in, uh, could be of such a high status. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, so you're going with the argument that they are challenging him and therefore they're normal because we do the same thing. Okay, fair enough. I'm suggesting, is it possible to read this that they're not challenging him? No, 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 I'm not saying they're challenging, they're challenging him. I'm just saying that they cannot wrap their mind around his high status because how bought into they are in terms of their own lowly status. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You see, uh, you see what I'm trying to make the point I'm making? I think so. Isn't the net result challenging him? Even though I, I see your point nope, that not necessarily. It's just that that you know we just it's uh, it's too good to be true. Okay. So let's go through uh, some, a lot of these comments. Or someone else is speaking. Basar, you're saying something? Yeah, I, I think over here, uh, one difference is, uh, is that they already know uh, Musa, salam, and yeah. how he helped, helped them against Pharaoh. So yeah. they know him personally. Uh, so that is a point that they already know him, just like the prophet, his tribe, Quraysh and whole Makkah, they knew, knew him that he was uh, trustworthy. And he wouldn't lie to them, but still they, they, they refused. Uh, they called him a magician and stuff like that. Uh, and that is just probably along the same lines that they did, they're just saying this to say that we're not going to really believe you. When are they calling him a magician? I mean, they're not calling him, but it looks like it's a parallel with the Quraysh uh, of Makkah they, when they call Prophet uh, that he is, he is a magician. That's why he is uh, bringing this ayah or there he possesses jinns. Uh, mm -hmm. But over here, they're saying that we won't believe you, even though we know you, we won't believe you, O Musa, because oh, until we see Allah. So you, he has to go and talk to Allah and prove himself whether they, where they should be already believing in him because he has been amongst them. Okay, so I'm with you on the point where you're saying that uh, uh, they should already have a certain amount of belief and trust in him because he's among them. And what I'm suggesting is, is it a possible read for them to, for, for them to say, okay, uh, we've even seen the splitting of the sea. Uh, uh, but for us to truly have belief because uh, uh, our Iman literally is based on what we are seeing, that we're gonna need to see Allah. I think, yeah, you, uh, you are right in that sense also that it was, I mean, look at the next ayah that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala didn't take it as something that was very offensive. Mm -hmm. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did 
uh, probably showed them something they they kind of died and then Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, gave them life so maybe it was along the lines of their expectation where they are used to seeing things uh, seeing the parting of the of the sea and seeing the asa of Musa so maybe it is that sort of uh, their thinking that okay if you can do all of that, so let us let us see Allah, so we can believe Him more. So maybe this is our bias that we see them as uh, as, as weird people. Yeah, but the statement is more like that. You know, we cannot do X if you cannot show me Y. Yeah, they are not saying that. You know, it's not it's not that. You know, okay, I believe you twenty percent, but you know, the rest of the eighty percent is going to come after mm -hmm. the X, Y, Z. That's not the statement, best of my knowledge. This is, I mean, so uh, I'm definitely agreeing that we can read this as a challenge. We're never going to believe you. Like Asma's point, we're never going to believe you uh, uh, unless we see Allah. We definitely can see this as them challenging Musa alayhi salam. And so then I'm raising the question, is it possible that even with the same wording, if we add in parentheses, we're never going to be able to believe you? It's just not like a, uh, it is just an objective sentence. Good. Uh, nevertheless, uh, Allah Ta'ala then hits them with lightning. Was that an answer to their request? Or was it a punishment? What do you think? Sami saying. The demonstration of His Majesty. Okay. So. So it seems as though, yeah, it seems as though at least it is an answer. So contrast that with the rudeness that Shaitan has uh, with Allah, and he gets banished. Uh, uh, it, uh, it seems as though at the very least it's an answer. Sami, could it be a punishment as an answer? I would, uh, I would take it as a punishment if the next ayah said, then we forgave you, but it only says we revived you. So my tendency is, is to think it is an answer to their request. Abdullah, the, the, uh, uh, the thunderbolt took you, let's see. Yeah, it seems like the power is being assigned to the, uh, to the thunder, uh, interesting point. Um, uh, rather than Allah Ta'ala uh, sending it. That's an interesting point. You know, it's almost as though what they're asking is is that the earth is is now responded and given them a, 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 an answer. Wa antum tanzurun. Where else have we seen wa antum tanzurun? Split of the sea. Splitting of the sea. So, so related to to the point uh, Dr. Malahat is making about about the um uh, uh you know we need to see this uh you know so they were given it Good. uh in the biblical narrative what is taking place uh that uh that uh, these people are, are are demanding to see god and so god is located at the top of this mountain and so x number of people are sent uh to to this mountain and then and then, then they're uh, struck down, and then they're brought back to life. And Abdullah, you can you can correct me if I'm missing some key details there. Okay. So, 
So yeah, uh, so like uh, what Adnan is mentioning, Ustaz uh, Adnan is mentioning that you know they were shown and then they were also uh, brought back to life. لَعَلَّكُمْ تَشْكُرُونَ so, so how do we now fit, okay, so they've been brought back to life. Uh, how would this, or why would this uh, cause or inspire gratitude? What do you think? It opens up the door of an interesting uh, nature of death. What is death uh, to a person? Explain. So, you know, if you, if you, if death becomes a very intense person where you are aware of what's going on around you, but you can't interact or, uh, mm -hmm. or express uh, what you would like to be mm -hmm. saying or doing, mm -hmm. that's a terrible thing, like a, like a medicine locked in syndrome, you know, like, you remember the medieval ages, they used to lock people up in iron cages and mm. they, saw, uh, they knew what was going on, but uh, they couldn't uh, interact or do anything about it. So unless that is a, that's a kind of an experience, other, uh, otherwise death, uh, cutting them off completely uh, from their surroundings in the present tense would make no sense. Mm -hmm. So it's only that if they are... If, if only if they are aware of their inability to interact with those around them and then they are restored that ability that uh, could inspire a sense of gratitude. Mm -hmm. So culturally, and I'm saying in Muslim culture, the more common way we define death is that your soul has left your body. Uh, but another way to define death is you've lost your animating ability, which is very akin to what you're describing, Dr. Kazi that you are there but animation has ended so you have consciousness uh, but you have no animation whatsoever heart is stopped brain function has stopped and you know all your your physical movement has stopped therefore from a dunya perspective you're dead uh, but what you've lost is actually animation which sounds exactly like what you're talking about in terms of locked in syndrome and so it could be that uh, that as well. And so, so how is this uh, uh, inspiring gratitude? So some of you said because uh, you know they're they're being saved; they're no longer dead. Yeah, I think so. And Stephanie Mirza, let's get to your question in just a moment, inshallah. Uh, life changing experience? Yeah, perhaps. Uh, I think it might be as simple as as uh, what Basir is saying that they're saying, all right, the only obstacle we have is we need to see Allah. Okay, bam, you've been hit with this. Now you should be able to open your heart for gratitude. And they've been given this, this hope, la'allakum tashkurun, a couple times, but that's the thing that they couldn't get. And perhaps they diagnosed the problem as they need to see Allah, but that didn't happen. And so, so I'm saying perhaps Allah gave them a second chance at life. Thunder could have been the end of them, but they would not, uh, uh, they would have been a message for the rest of the people. Yep. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam wasab. Fire away. So I think uh, we're missing the bigger picture Go because right. uh, I think parents can relate to this, seeing how much they grant their privileges to their kids, and kids usually tend to test their limits. So yeah. I think this is what the Bani Israel were doing. Okay. They're, they're, uh, they were given this newfound power and claimed as God's people, right? And take the instance for the cow. 
they're 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 being really obnoxious and well hold uh, off on that let's let's uh, we, uh we'll get to that uh, first talk about what we have so far as information about that so 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 far i think they they're like testing his limits they're pushing his buttons that's what they're doing mm -hmm. it's not like if they believe or not believe they're they're willing to see how much how special they are to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and how many chances he's going to give them until mm -hmm. there's no chances left. Okay. And I think that's what's happening here. Okay. Uh, I think that is definitely a possible read. Uh, your challenge would be how do you argue that that is more uh, likely than these other suggestions that I've been giving? That, I mean, you don't have to answer that now, but something to reflect on, especially when we get to the story of the cow, inshallah. Because uh, I'll be right as you can expect, I'll be raising similar questions then too, you know. Um, another thing is another thing. Actually, I have to have to look at that. You know, this is the the majority opinion, right? Because it's not minorities asking. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala said they they asking. So it's like the oh, majority. the people who are speaking. Hmm. Okay, keep going. Because um, I have thoughts on that. So I think that you know because. How the how the social fabric of the society work, right? The behavior that how we say that okay, the people of X Y Z province like Punjab in Pakistan go to the army, right? Not everybody going into the army, but you know the majority of the people go to the the forces. So I think that if if the majority is speaking the same language and have a same theme or same thought process, that impact the rest of the society. That's how happen into the social ill, and same happening here, right? In this sentence, I, I don't know. So, so my thought uh, relates to uh, the, you know, like essentially how are people raising their voice? And I suspect it could be a crowd of people or it could be the leaders of each of the different groups. You know, as, we're, as we will see, uh, you know, there, there's gonna be 12 groups, but um, what the ayah is not giving is, you know, is this a majority speaking or is this a minority speaking? Everyone's remaining silent that we don't have, but enough people, are raising this point that it's an ayah. So, yeah, uh, so this could be majority, or it's at least a significant, a significant number. Yeah, Allah knows best. Okay, so <clears throat> let's shift the point. Uh, something I introduced yesterday is uh, that a lot of times when it comes to Iman, our approach to miracles, I'm suggesting, is very similar to our approach to material wealth. That if I am grateful and if I'm given a miracle, that'll increase me in gratitude. If I'm grateful uh, uh, and I'm given wealth, that'll increase me in gratitude. So you give me you give me a hundred dollars and I'm grateful, I'll feel like you gave me a thousand dollars. You give me a hundred dollars and I'm ungrateful, I'll feel like you gave me ten dollars or you you know uh, you know you owed it to me. And so, so this becomes the question of what is in their sentiment. Uh, I think we can interpret that in the core, there is a lack of gratitude. Okay. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean these requests are automatically wicked, but they're given every miracle. You know, I would think if, if I saw the splitting of the sea on its own, I'd be saying, subhanAllah, I might even pass out. And then if I saw the splitting of the sea and in that same process, my oppressor, my enslaver is coming and then gets drowned. Um, I mean, super subhanAllah, whatever that could be. But it's also, I also know my human nature that I might be praying 50 rakats of prayers for like the next three weeks 
but eventually I'm probably going to go back to the person that I am. And so, so what I'm suggesting here is, is again, this nature of miracles. They thought their cure. So scenario one is they're rebelling as Musa Okay. And they're saying, okay, you know, here's another excuse. Scenario number two. Yeah. So miracles became a norm. Scenario number two I'm suggesting is they thought, okay, uh, this darkness that's in us, the only thing that's holding back is just show us Allah. Okay. Uh, and, and then they misdiagnosed it. In the same way, you know, think of all those good habits you and I should do, but for some reason we can't get ourselves to do it. And it's almost like we're waiting for that magic mystery key to, to make it happen. And it's not going to work that way. It's more like I have to just get up and start doing the thing. So they have to get up and see that this hasn't answered their need they have to work to develop gratitude and so so essentially the point i'm making <clears throat> is that uh in the same way that i suggested the other day that the faith of of a whole lot of people in our community rests on the miracle of the quran that it is uh you know the science and and preserved uh i think it's the same problem that uh, the community is likewise waiting for a mahdi to come a superhero to to solve all the problems when the actual answer is to get deep into the quran sort of like what we're doing here at the Dabur, and embody it and think about it and practice it and that's exactly how change is going to happen and this is what bani israel was not able to do does that make sense or if it doesn't please uh, uh please let me know uh yes but usually people don't push limits with allah to do with parents uh, I, I think uh, you're responding a buster to, to Musab. Uh, I do think people, uh, I think everybody pushes limits with Allah, don't we? I mean, think of, uh, you know, all the lists of things that I don't do. And that is essentially, isn't that pushing limits? Isn't that expecting uh, the, the Rahmah of Allah more than hoping? Uh, I, I, I'm just going back to one of the points that you made earlier. Yes. Uh, that uh, over here, uh, when uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, uh, I'm sorry, I forgot my point. I'll get back. Okay, okay, inshallah. Okay, <clears throat> and what time is it right now? 5.31. Uh, uh, let me get to some of the other questions, and then if we have time, we can, we can get to the next point, because now we're going to start seeing the decline happen. Uh, although these are sort of inching towards the decline now, so they're going to start falling off the cliff. Uh, Steph, so you had the question about lightning, um, which I am uh, having trouble finding. If you or someone could could repost that question, looks like we had a lot of fun discussion here that I, that I missed most of it. Uh, uh, last time we see thunder is the analogy uh, at the beginning of the surah. Is there a connection between that analogy and the faith of, of the children of Israel? What do you all think? So last time we saw sawa'iq, sa'iq, was, was the, the analogy of the hypocrites putting their uh, fingers in their ears. Uh, uh, is there a way we can connect that with this? Boss, you're saying no. <laughs> Anyone else? Uh, is there a way to connect that uh, with uh, this story, this uh, event we have right now? Okay, maybe yes. Any I thoughts? think, uh, I'm sorry, I, I think I just didn't think it through, but maybe we can look at it this way that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions that in the beginning of the surah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying 
that when uh, when it is hard for them they are uh, they are stuck in one place but when when things get easy for them then uh, then they start to to walk so uh, so over here maybe that uh, over here the it was hard for them they asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for something and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala answered them um, but but the analogy is they were still not able to uh, they were still not able to walk meaning like they didn't probably didn't take the lesson from it to be grateful mm -hmm. works for me uh, one point i'd like to draw our attention to when we spoke about that section on hypocrites you know the first is two through five was about the people of taqwa is six and seven was about the people of kufr is eight through 16 is the people of nifaq what word is not in the section on nifaq? Anyone? Can you repeat that? Okay, so ayahs two through five is about the people of taqwa, right? Of the, of the surah. Ayahs six and seven is about the people of kufr, the kafirs. And then we said ayah eight through 16 is about the monophics, the hypocrites. What word is not anywhere in that passage from ayahs 8 through 16. Hypocrites. Hypocrites is not in that passage. The word uh, nifaq or monafik is not in the passage. So it is common con uh, commentary to read that passage 8 through 16 both about hypocrites and about the children of Israel. That this is simultaneously describing hypocrites and it's describing the children of Israel. And then when we're seeing the passages that we're seeing, we're seeing the evolution of people becoming hypocrites. Oh, Mahan, Dr. Mahan, really nice point that uh, the previous thunder was also connected to fear of death and then they were given uh, death and saved from it. I think that's a very profound connection, inshallah. So, but you all see the point that I'm making? That a way that the Ummah of Musa is being read is we're watching the evolution of a community of hypocrites. That Ayahs 8 through 16 does not mention hypocrisy. We, I've been using that term, but that's not in the text in the way taqwa is, you know, hudal al-muttaqeen or inna al-latheena kafiru kufr is there. So. And so, Sami, uh, uh, if I can ask you, ask you to expand upon, oh, you're, you're suggesting that there is, there is not as much of a link. But, yeah, now I'm suggesting that maybe there is. Is that why being grateful is the first command to Muslims? Uh, I don't recall being grateful being the first command. Anybody remember the first command? Be the Abd of your Rabb. Good. Any other questions, thoughts, reflections? So one this? point, uh, Omar, that Ziyaba is mentioning about the consciousness, or you mentioned about that. Uh, I think that the same thing happened, like uh, you just mentioned about the today's situation. Uh, we see a, like, we live in Chicago or the, any mega city or the big city. You mean see like Jannah on earth. No, anyway, keep going. Yeah. No, we, <laughs> we, are, we are seeing like a hundred people or 30 people or 40 people die every day, right? Yes. Uh, but we don't pay attention. We never, never get over affairs in order or try to even think about it or reflect upon it. But now we can see now with this, you know, this, this kind of pandemic came and now we get to that point that, you know, the things are, are very close to the end or we feel that way, right? So we, we get to the point that, you know, we start reflecting and putting our affairs in order. So is, is that 
they they probably not in that situation because they are keep saying those miracles as musab said earlier right that you know it's become so norm to them that you know that they just just lose the value of it right mm-hmm. and they never see the value mm-hmm. of those uh, all value value stream for that whole mm-hmm. whole, whole process and then just completely disconnect Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if we go with Musab's argument, then what do we see? Okay, um, I've been given this miracle. No, that's not enough. I've been given this miracle. No, that's not enough. I've been given this miracle. No, that's not enough. I need the ultimate miracle, which is to see Allah, uh, you know, directly. And and so that I think is definitely a plausible a, a reading of this that works. But related to your point, that what is it that creates in me a sense of urgency? Uh, this relates to the ayahs that we looked at uh, toward the end yesterday in around ayah 206 or 212 where uh, we're being told you know enter into into submission completely and what's going to hold you back um, do you need to see Allah himself uh, um, and then the next ayah asked the children of Israel how many miracles we gave them including you know this lightning bolt and that wasn't enough And so, so the question becomes, what is it going to take for me in whatever my state is right now to straighten out my priorities more and then transform more? Or am I just going to keep buying time? I think that's a central question of the whole human experience, which is what we are seeing right here. Uh, one of the defining feature, features of the monophilic is that they lie. Aren't the children of Israel telling the truth? So I'm suggesting, Sami, that we're watching the evolution of people become full-blown monophits, that we're not there yet, but the seed is beginning to reveal itself, or the seed is beginning to germinate, the seed of nifaq. Yeah. Uh, uh, let's see, uh, Saudi is saying, I agree with Sami. Uh, what does Sami say? Uh, let's see it here. Oh, isn't part of being, uh, being grateful? Yes. <coughs> But the command is to, to be the umd. The command is not to be grateful. That's the key distinction that I'm making. And so, yes, gratitude would be built into it both as uh, what I should be doing and what I should be developing. Uh, but the command itself is, in the most simple sense, obey. Any other questions? So once again, a point that I repeated last time that I'm going to repeat again is <clears throat> as we start finishing up this story, we still have about 40 eyes to go, inshallah. We're going to revisit all this to look at the dynamics of how a community operates. So even some of the questions today that we're raising include, okay, why are they saying this? But who is saying this in, in, in the crowd? And, and, and so in the same way, part one was how does individual faith operate? Here we're looking at how does collective faith operate? And so keep that uh, in your mind in the back of your head. Any other questions about anything at all? Uh, I was mentioning one point earlier uh, that yes. you, I think, just mentioned also that possibly Al-Smantada is mentioning all of this uh, to remind them that, uh, that we had given some of you some of these miracles. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not necessarily all of them uh, witnessed them, but obviously their generation, their predecessors uh, were given these things and it wasn't enough for them. So if you're going to ask for the same thing from this prophet, that it's not going to be enough. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think that's uh, that is consistent not only with them but throughout the entire text of the Quran when people are demanding signs, and it's consistent throughout the rest of the surah uh, that often we're asking for signs, you know, and then we'll believe. And the response is, "No, you're not going to, uh, even if you're given signs." And here's examples to show that. Okay. Uh, but I can you expand on how um, how as Muslims we tend to do the same thing to look for signs? I don't have too much experience with that. Well, I mean, those are questions that I get all the time. You know, uh, people who are looking for signs, especially when they're praying istikhara, right? You know, is this the answer to my istikhara, or is that the answer to my istikhara, right? And, and, and sometimes it's something for as simple as, you know, am I going to be okay? I need a sign or something like that. So they might already have belief, but to have a certain amount of calm, uh, I think it's natural to, to want signs. But more often than not, Allah Ta'ala is saying, choose, make a choice and take a step forward. And that's how you will develop your Iman. You're not going to develop Iman from from seeing miracles, you're also not even going to, to solidify your Iman through rational argument. You're going to develop your Iman by obeying and that's going to become a perpetual machine uh, that'll increase your Iman. So in turn, sometimes we have to, like if we do have some intellectual questions or um, we're just not ready to accept because of our own short shortcomings, because we have neglected uh, things, um, so we should just at that time just do wasma you that just listen and obey and then uh, leave leave that question it's not going to be answered right away and then maybe later on Allah will answer your questions or your doubts so essentially that is what i'm saying and uh, i find that fascinating as a part of the story of imam al-ghazali so imam al-ghazali goes through this horrendous trial of faith and he's trying to figure out and discover Dean and such a rediscover Dean for himself in, in a very, very clear way. But one thing he never stops doing, he never stops praying throughout the whole process. He keeps working on his prayers. And, and so this is a point that I often, this is a common issue in my office with students. In fact, even today, or maybe it was yesterday, a student sent me a text message with a similar question, like, you know, how do I, how do I develop faith? You know, do I, do I figure out my questions and the answers to them? And I said, yeah, you got to work on your ibadah. Uh, that by definition, your acts of worship, your obedience to Allah is an act of faith. Because yeah. you're doing it saying, I don't even know if you're true Allah, <clears throat> but I'm doing this. And then as you increase that, what does the hadith say? That you get closer and closer to Allah. That is the way to strengthen your faith. If you keep looking for uh, you know answers to your your theoretical questions you are probably not going to ever start uh, uh, increasing your acts of worship you literally have to get on the floor and put your face on the floor uh, it's natural to have some things um, uh, done to satisfy your heart and the way ibrahim needed to see you know he said can you show me how to give life to the dead it would be fair to assume that he was still making his prayers right um, and actually, uh, or let me let me finish my point. And I'll let you jump in. Um, then, uh, and we do have the prescription for doubt. That if you have doubt, you need to go through this step. But that is also an act of obedience, right? 
that this is your prescription. If you have doubt, this is what you need to do. Okay. So it's still an act of obedience. Uh, Dr. Ghazi, go ahead, and then I'm going to try to catch one of these questions. Uh, well, you know, uh, questions don't uh, germinate in vacuum. Mm -hmm. And uh, the culture that you're surrounded with definitely has a major input in uh, in the uh, in the germination and the form and the form and type of your questions. Mm -hmm. So uh, going back to Sayyidina Ibrahim alayhi salam and Sayyidina Musa alayhi salam, uh, don't you think, uh, especially since we're talking about Musa alayhi salam, don't you think the culture that uh, or the environment that Sayyidina Musa was in had something to play uh, in terms of? Uh, the types of questions that he was asking. I mean, uh, I'd like to see you, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I mean, it's not a question of arrogance on his part, but uh, did the, don't you think the environment and the society had some role to play in that, in, in the formation of that question? I mean, I would and, suggest and, it's... And I'll ask you this more because it basically would pertain to me and our children, particularly because won't they be, uh, aren't they affected by society and thereby the environments uh, will generate questions in them, certain questions that we have not been accustomed to? So, so to uh, answer your overall question, uh, you know, are our questions not influenced by our culture scenarios? Absolutely. Right. I mean, I mean, I'm in uh, all day in an academic environment. I get qu academic questions about religion all day long as a, a process of students trying to find uh, their answers. Uh, uh, now, does that apply to Ibrahim salam and Musa salam? I would say as a thesis, we can say that. I'm cautious to jump to that conclusion. Uh, I'm less cautious of jumping to that conclusion about their followers or the people, their, their interlocutors. So whether we're talking about the children of Israel or Namrud and all those people, they're, uh, uh, I'm much more willing to say, yeah, they're also products of their environment. I'm cautious about doing that with, with the prophets, peace be upon them, because they're having the experience of talking to God. And I don't know, and, and God talking back, and I don't know what that does to a person's consciousness. See what I'm saying? What do you think? You have an Amal Huzan, correct? The year of sadness. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, the human parts of the prophets cannot be discounted. I mean, the human parts, yes. But uh, in terms of what's causing the, the question internally, I'm suggesting, I'm uh, agreeing that that part is human. But what they're seeking uh, 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 in terms of uh, what the prophets specifically are seeking as answers uh, I'm cautious to say that uh, uh, I'm cautious to to agree that that's also culturally informed. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, but at the same time, does that not raise the objection that if the prophet, if the prophets are not in tune or sensitive to the times that they are living in? How would they be relevant to the people they are calling to? But I mean, that doesn't negate that possibility. You know, uh -huh. uh, I mean, <clears throat> I'm I'm nearly fifty year old, fifty years old, mashallah, and my conversations with God are very different than the conversations that a twenty year old has. I'm not a say, a saying that I'm more advanced, but I'm speaking to the twenty year old, you know, through my knowledge of what goes on in a twenty year old's mind, which includes my own memory of myself, my daughter, and you know, years of experience mm -hmm. with them. 
See what I'm saying? No. Yeah. But uh, the way they're speaking to Allah doesn't necessarily mean that I'm speaking to Allah the same way. What do you think? Precisely. Uh huh. Yeah. So, so all I'm saying is that it is possible that Ibrahim alayhi salam, when he is asking, you know, for his answer, and Musa alayhi salam is asking for his answer, uh, it could be that it's culturally informed. Uh, all I'm saying is I'm I'm more willing to to go with that thesis for everybody else. I'm cautious about going through with that thesis just because uh, they're in already conversation with Allah, that I feel like they were already- Yeah, I'm not suggesting that they're at the same platform as the people they're calling to, but I'm just saying that I mean, they're not totally immune to the times they're living in. They have to be relevant to the times they're living in mm -hmm. as well. Yeah, and essentially another way to frame what I'm saying is I'm not suggesting, I'm cautious to say that that is uh, their constraint. If that if that makes any sense, I mean, more supporting your point is think about Musa Islam when he first has the interaction with Allah, and the voice comes and he runs away, right, and then he sees a snake and then that terrifies him. I mean, that sounds like someone very very human. You know, I mean, for what it's worth, another way to to imagine Musa and Ibrahim, peace be upon him, specifically is think of Musa uh, Ibrahim alayhi salam, his story in the Quran as a tafsir of Iyaka na'budu. And Musa alayhi salam in the Quran is a tafsir of wa Iyaka nasta'in. Because isn't that much of the story of Musa alayhi salam is that he keeps asking Allah for help. You know, whereas Ibrahim alayhi salam, it seems to be like these theological questions. You know. uh, okay. Uh, uh, just for the sake of, uh, for, for the record, Please don't pronounce any fatwas of kufr on me. <laughs> Thanks for the idea, my friend. Okay, anyway, so, so uh, Ramya, <laughs> is, is the assumption that they're uh, there that if you decide something based on whatever personal logic you have in prayer, and then you take a step, then if it is a misstep, Allah will create barriers to that pathway. Uh, I'm cautious to say yes to that, uh, but uh, if I can ask you to expand on your question, maybe I can figure out a way to say yes, even though I don't think we want that to be the answer. Um, if I am taking a step forward uh, in Dean, okay, uh, I might be misinterpreting my own intentions. So if I'm taking a step forward, I'm obeying Allah uh, to try to get closer to Allah, then inshallah, Allah is going to come running to me. Just like the narration, you come a handspan, he comes an arm's length, he comes walking, he comes running. Uh, if, however, I'm doing it, um, for other people to be impressed, then I've already then the barrier is already there, and that will manifest more unless I come to my senses. Because Allah Taala says He's going to give me rope to keep going further or increase the disease in my heart. Uh, and the question is, am I aware of being of doing an act of worship for Allah versus versus someone else? And then the answer to that I'd say is that increase the stuff you do secretly or, or privately. Uh, yeah, sometimes um, uh, it is really that simple that I have all these these uh, uh, these forces inside of me that are preventing me from putting my face on the ground. Uh, yet I can put my face on the ground for something else for some other purpose, and and sometimes uh, it's literally something that might bring a person to tears. Why can't I do this? But it might actually be okay. You just got to get down and put your face on the ground and do it. You know, 
And I say that not in a cold way, but in a tender way. Any other questions about anything? And Dr. Mahan, I like your quote. Remind me where is this quote from because I know I've heard this before. Men resemble their times more than they resemble their fathers. You know, I, I read it somewhere. I can't remember where. And I just thought of it when you were talking to Dr. Kazi. So I Googled it. And it just says an old Arab proverb or something. Oh, nice. yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah, mashallah. Uh, can I repeat my thoughts in the previous lesson? So the common approach of the Quran in general is miracle and preservation of the Quran. And, and should, am I saying that the focus should be on tadabur? I'm saying a focus should be on tadaburiyah. A focus should also be on memorization. A focus should also be on recitation. Uh, uh, but especially in practicing it. So not just thinking, but including practicing. All right, we got to finally, we got uh, an Abdullah Mirza question. Let's, let's, let's prepare for this. Might be repeating what was said at some point. What are the implications of the Thunderbolt story? How far can we extrapolate lessons? I'm thinking the authority of the Mosaic legislation must be accepted unquestionably. Isn't that the point? I, at the very least, in the environment, moral law is not something human beings can understand. If they try to, they'll be destroyed or else would cease to be human in the world. God's legislation of the laws comes from his not foreknowledge about the past and future, whereas it is our placement in the present which makes God's prescriptions for our actions relevant, trying to interpret the metaphor of significance consequences. All righty. So, okay, let's see if we can... Uh, so how far can we extrapolate lessons? I'll answer that part. Uh, so uh, a repeated word that I was using just now at the conversation with Dr. Kazi is to use these things as a thesis. And so the thesis that I'm giving you about the children of Israel is that they're not wicked, they're normal, but the problem is, is lack of gratitude. And then you test the thesis as you're going through, through the text to see if it, if it sustains or if it fails. And that's what I would apply for everything in terms of extrapolating lessons. That would be the limitation of extrapolating lessons from stories. Uh, that assumes, of course, that we might find our, our answer in the Quran or in the, in the Hadith literature and such. And so, so this is essentially what the schools of theology are. They're, they're scholarly speculation about how does reality operate. And, and so what are the schools of law? They are scholarly, uh, educated guesses uh, on how to interpret text. And then the community will then agree or disagree, usually through the lens of time more than anything else, and some mix of power on what opinions do we buy, what opinions do we not buy. Uh, so I hope that answers part of your question, at least. Uh, mosaic legislation must be accepted unquestioningly. That Let's get to that question when we get to the story of the slaughtering of the cow, because that becomes immediately relevant, where he is saying, you have to do this. Um, I think that answers, or that puts on hold the rest of your question, when we talk about the authority of the Mosaic law. Yeah, the default is you have to accept it, period. Um, but let me know if, if there's more in your question that I, um, that I have not uh, addressed because I feel like there's probably a whole lot more. Okay, that's good. Thanks. <laughs> I was hoping your, your, your statement of thanks was also going to be like 15 lines. Okay, mashallah. Any other questions about anything else? Uh, we'll the quote is from Mark Block, the historian's craft. Nice. Yeah. No other questions? 
Okay, tomorrow we are going to uh, add even more fun to the conversation. Uh, and then we'll be finishing, and shallow probably tomorrow, this first, this of uh, this second subsection, I of 47 through 59, uh, about uh, the decline. And then we're going to see basically the, um, uh, the whole story is going to change very much so. It's not going to be, uh, now it's going to be people that are essentially have become wicked, but were not originally necessarily. Okay, we'll stop right here. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu illa ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu illa ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Subhanakallahumma, yeah, you didn't see all that. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu illa ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. May Allah Ta'ala reward you all, inshallah. Wa akhir da'wana anilhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.